What's up? It's Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to tune into the pod. Today we're talking college football playoff final, Georgia TCU, the future of college football, and of course the NFL playoffs are quickly coming. We're going to review this last weekend and kind of get ready for the future of it. So we have an absolutely loaded show for you today. Here we go. Absolutely boat raced, trounced, destroyed, annihilated, like whatever term you want to use there to express how badly TCU got beat. That's how bad they got beat, right? Georgia was just better. They had better players, better coaches, better everything, and that really showed on Monday night. The best team in the country is clearly Georgia. Okay, they beat seven ranked teams this year. They beat those ranked teams by an average of just under 30 points a game. That's absurd, okay? And they just absolutely destroyed the apparently second-best team in the country. And this is the issue with the college football playoff now. It's an issue that we've ran into several times over these past years. And with the expansion coming to 12 teams, there are now going to be more blowouts like this. Okay, like let's just look across the bowl games this year. Okay, Georgia beats TCU 65-7. to Game wasn't close. Fifth-ranked Alabama crushed ninth-ranked Kansas State. This is number five and it's number nine. Like this should be like a good matchup. It wasn't. Alabama crushes Kansas State 45-20. to Like, just imagine if Alabama had played Washington, who barely beat Texas, right? Tennessee handles 7th-ranked Clemson 31-24 to with a backup quarterback. Like, or excuse me, 31-14 to with a backup quarterback. And this game is supposed to be close. Like, this is number 6 against number 7, and it was not close, okay? And... Here's the thing, like, the gap between really good teams and average teams or even other good teams in college football is huge, right? Like, the difference between the best team in the country and the second best team in the country is often rather large. The gap between, you know, the sixth and seventh best team in the country this year was obviously rather large, right? Like, just imagine if Hendon Hooker had played for Tennessee instead of uh, the backup uh, Joe Milton, I believe is his name, right? So something that I think we're going to continue to see is these lower-ranked teams getting absolutely crushed, right? These quote-unquote Cinderella stories whenever we look at TCU, because that's what they were. They were a Cinderella story. Stories and teams like this are going to continue to get crushed on the national stage when they play against better competition like Georgia, okay? Like, this isn't college basketball, okay? Like, one of the biggest arguments I've seen for the expansion of the playoff is that we're going to have upsets and Cinderella stories and all these different things, like... This isn't college basketball. This is not March Madness. This is not the same thing, okay? Okay, Cinderella's don't survive. They just don't, okay? Like, we saw that on Monday, and I know what you're saying. But, Jonathan, TCU beat Michigan, and they were 7.5-point underdogs. And 16th-ranked Tulane beat 10th-ranked USC, okay? And you're right. Those two things did happen. But what do both of these games have in common? Both of these games allowed teams a month to both get healthy and to prepare. Okay, if you give any competent coach a month to watch film and prepare, they're going to be ready. And that's what we saw in those two games. Okay, good coaches with time to prepare came out and won. Right? And when the college football playoff expands, that might happen occasionally. 
right? Like maybe every now and then, you know, the 12th ranked team beats the 5th ranked team, you know, or the the 10th ranked team beats the 7th ranked team and all these, you know, and all that. But look, the numbers are in, okay? And out of most of these games that we've had in the college football playoffs so far, most of them have been blowouts, okay? 16 of the 24 college football playoff games that have been played ever have been decided by 17 points or more. Okay, only six have been one-possession games. And, like, shouldn't these games be closer? Like, these are the four best teams in the country. Oh, wait. No, they're not. No, they're not. Sorry, I'm wrong there. Ultimately, this is where the college football playoff committee fails, especially this year. Uh, You know, I sat on this very podcast and said that TCU shouldn't be in because Alabama was simply better. Okay, and I know that people don't like these arguments. Okay, I know that Alabama lost twice. Like, I understand that, but when we look at Alabama's losses, right, it was on the road at Tennessee on a last-second field goal, and they lost in overtime on the road in Baton Rouge against LSU on a two-point conversion in overtime. Okay, like, both of their losses came on the final play of the game. Okay, and I know that people don't like Alabama, and people are sick and tired of Alabama. But ultimately, what I want is entertaining is an entertaining college football playoff all the way through, not just the first round like we had this year. And you can't sit here and you can't tell me that TCU is better than Alabama. And the whole point of the college football playoff committee was to put the best teams in, okay? And if they aren't going to do that, if they're just going to put in the most deserving teams, then we need to go back to the BCS model and have the computer do everything for us. Simple as that. Because a computer can figure out the most deserving. Because you know what they're going to do? They're going to do exactly what the college football playoff committee did. They're going to look at records, and they're going to say, oh, this team lost once, this team lost twice, we're going to put in the team that's only lost once. And that's exactly what the college football playoff committee did. And so, like, what's the point in having them if we can just go back to the old BCS model and pick our four teams that way? Right? So, if we're trying to find the best teams, we have to look at more than just resumes, ultimately, right? Like employers, when they're going to hire somebody, they don't just look at resumes and hire someone. That's not how that works. Okay, they interview, and if they can, they watch them perform the job that they're interviewing for. Why? Because they want to see if the performance matches the resume, right? So my girlfriend, she's she's is a sixth-grade middle school teacher. She's great at her job. She loves her job. When she interviewed, right, she sent in her resume, like, hey, like, here's my degree. Here's all the work that I've done with children, right? They looked at her resume. They said, oh, wow, this is really impressive. Hey, we want to bring you in for an interview, right? And then they interviewed her, right? And she did really well. And then from there, they said, all right, what we want you to do now is we want you to teach us a lesson, right? We want you to come in. We want you to act like we are your classroom, okay? And that's exactly what they did. They had her perform the job to see if the way that she taught matched her resume, Right. And it did. And so she was hired and now she's a great middle school teacher. All right. And when we look at TCU, TCU's performance Monday night and throughout the entire regular season, okay, sneaking out wins against Kansas State, who got blown out by Alabama, you know, losing in the Big 12 championship game, sneaking out wins. It seemed like at every turn, barely beating Baylor, right? So on and so forth. The performance did not match the resume, okay? The the perform the performance did not match the job description of second best team in the country. It didn't, even though their resume does, because they only lost, you know, now it's two games, but going into the playoff, they'd only lost one. Okay, and now we're gonna go to twelve teams, which brings on all sorts of problems. Okay, like there's gonna be more blowouts, as I mentioned earlier, but how are we going to decide who the final team is? Okay, like as of right now, look. I just know I went on this whole thing about Alabama, but ultimately, you know, they put in Ohio State and TCU. 
That's fine. For the majority of people, did not have an issue with it, right? I was obviously one of the ones who did. But let me ask you a question. How are we going to pick, you know, the last two or three spots? Like, how are we going to decide between 11th-ranked Penn State, 12th-ranked Washington, 13th-ranked Florida State, and 14th-ranked Oregon State? Right? Like, all their resumes are really similar. They all have two or three losses. Like, how is this going to work? Like, is it all just going to be based off of record now? Because if it is, and if you look at the, the final rankings before the college football playoff, this is what they were. Penn State and Washington both only had two losses. Oregon State and Florida State both had three. They had Penn State and, and Washington in front, followed by Florida State and Oregon State. It, see, it just feels like they didn't even look at the record. They didn't even look at how those teams actually played, right? Because And if it's going to be like that, if it's all going to be based off of record, and I can tell you right now, it's going to be, right? Like That's why TCU got in over Alabama. Then you can't blame Power 5 schools for scheduling easy non-conference games, okay? Like if I'm Penn State... And I can do exactly what they did this year, right? If I can go 10-2 and two with both losses to really good teams, Ohio State and Michigan, with my next best win, my best win over 8-4 and four Purdue, who wasn't ranked and got absolutely crushed by LSU, 63-7. to seven. Like, and I can make the playoff that way. Like, why wouldn't I do that? Right? Like, the regular season is going to start being watered down, okay? Teams are going to schedule tough out-of-conference games, and we're going to continue to have blowouts in the college football playoff games, okay? A 12-team college football playoff will not fix college football's problems. It will only make them worse, okay? We're going to have more games that suck. We're going to have more people tuning out at halftime, okay? The overall product of the game is going to drop, and ultimately, the same thing is going to ring true, Okay, the teams like Alabama, Georgia, uh, and, you know, Ohio State and Michigan and like these powerhouses, they're going to continue to be powerhouses. You know why? Because they have the best coaches in the country and they have the best facilities in the country and they're in parts of the country where there's plenty of talents for them to go out and grab, right? Like USC, they're going to be really good here, here in a few years because they have Lincoln Riley and they're in Southern California, right? But Georgia and Alabama, they are going anywhere. They're going to continue, they're going to, continue to crush teams, right? Texas... Maybe they'll be good at some point. Who knows? Texas A&M, maybe they'll be good at some point, right? But ultimately, it's going to be the same thing over and over and over again. It's going to be teams in the Big Ten, mainly Ohio State and Michigan, and the best teams in the SEC going at it every year for the SEC title game, or excuse me, for the national championship game. Maybe every now and then, you know, you have USC pop up. But people have this idea that a 12-team college football playoff is going to be good for college football, and I'm telling you right now, it's not. If you want to expand the college football playoff, that's fine. Go to six, maybe eight. Do not go to twelve. It is a, it's it's a mistake. Simple as that. And I'll be honest, I don't know about you guys, but I don't care to watch Washington get crushed by Alabama. I just don't. Simple as that. So we're gonna take a short break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about the NFL and just this previous weekend. I'm gonna give you some predictions for the playoffs. It's gonna be really good. So we'll be right back with more shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with more shooting the Schmidt. And so here for this NFL segment, we're going to quickly kind of recap everything that happened on Sunday, and then we're going to move into some predictions and things like that. So we're going to start at the bottom and work our way up, and you'll quickly see what I mean by that. So what should the Bears do with the first overall pick? Trade it or draft Will Anderson? Those are really, I think, the only two options for the Bears. You know, I would personally prefer it if they traded it for multiple picks and a wide receiver or an offensive tackle. Just something... To help Justin Fields, because they came out and they said it the other day, the GM for the Bears, he said that they're not taking a quarterback at one unless they absolutely fall in love with somebody. And looking at this draft class, I don't think that there's anybody there 
that they're going to fall in love with enough to take them over Justin Fields, especially after what he showed this year, how dynamic he is. If they could just get him some protection, he got hit more than any other quarterback in the NFL this year. If they could just get some guys to protect him and give him just like one, maybe even a second really good wide receiver. I think that would help him a lot. I think we'd see a ton of production and just his ability to throw the ball. I know that's a new trend kind of going around the NFL right now, getting these young quarterbacks really good receivers, right? Like, the Bills went out and got Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and then Josh Allen became way better. The Dolphins went out and got Tua, or they went out and they got Tua, you know, Hill and Waddle, and all of a sudden his production went up, right? Uh, Jalen Hurts, they went out, they got him A.J. Brown. Now they got Brown and Devontae Smith. Like, this is a trend that we're seeing really help young quarterbacks. I hope that the Bears would be willing to do the same thing. Um, but for me, if I do want to trade that pick, my first calls would be to Indianapolis, Seattle, Detroit, Las Vegas, Carolina, and the New York Jets. Pretty much any team that could potentially fall in love with a quarterback this offseason, right? Like they should get an absolute haul for the first pick. Like I said, multiple picks and maybe a player or two because really only 30% of first-round draft picks end up hitting at a level that you want them to. So moving on to the Sunday Night Football game. You know, Lions and Packers, the Lions win so great. They simply said, if we can't go, you can't go. And they went out and they beat the Packers 20-16. to It was great. And so now we have to ask this question after everything that transpired after the game. Is Aaron Rodgers done? Right? He didn't swap jerseys. He kept it. He was talking all sentimental in his post-game stuff. Like, this one's special, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's looking up at the crowd like it's his last time and his teammates are hugging him and all these different things are happening. And so now people are asking the same question that we've asked for the past several off seasons of, is Aaron Rodgers going to retire? Potentially, I don't know. And I'm telling you right now, this is going to come up several times during this offseason because there's nothing else to talk about. And Aaron Rodgers has to be in the center of attention. He can say whatever he wants about escaping and, like, you know, whatever. That's not true. Don't ignore that. Aaron Rodgers has to be in the center of attention. He likes being talked about. You know, he can say whatever he wants. But if he didn't like being talked about, he wouldn't do 45 minutes with Pat McAfee every Tuesday. If he didn't like being talked about, he wouldn't leak stuff like this, you know, like he has these past several off seasons about potentially wanting to retire. Okay, he just wants to be talked about. That's all that he wants. He's going to play next year. Maybe he won't be in Green Bay. But I'm telling you right now, he's going to be back playing football again next year. I don't care what he says. So when this comes up, you know, on the other podcasts or TV shows or whatever that you listen to, and they lay out this case for why Aaron Rodgers could be done, ignore them. Those people are not very smart. I'm telling you right now, Aaron Rodgers will be back playing football next year. The question is where? Moving on, the Seahawks, because the Packers lose, get into the postseason. And look, this has been one of my favorite storylines to watch all year, the rise of Geno Smith and the Seahawks and the absolute free fall of Russell Wilson and the Broncos. And the Seahawks get revenge on him. It's so great. Um, you know, after, you know, Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers a year after he leaves New England, like, that's the ultimate revenge, right? The Seahawks, I highly doubt that they're going to win the Super Bowl this year after getting rid of Russell Wilson. Um, but this revenge is still pretty sweet, right? After making the playoffs, and he obviously has the terrible year with the Broncos. Um, we'll see what they do. Um, they could be interesting in the playoffs. I don't think they will be. I think that they'll lose in the first round. Um, but, yeah, so we'll kind of see how the Seahawks do. Congrats to them, though. Congrats to Pete Carroll, one of the best coaches in the NFL. Congrats to Geno Smith for taking advantage of his opportunity. But I do think that they're going to be one and done in the playoffs. Finally, the last team to clinch a playoff spot. The Dolphins sneak in or limp in after beating the Jets 11-6. to 
you know, um, as a Dolphins fan here, Skylar Thompson, definitely a backup after watching that game and just all the games that he's played this year. Um, we'll kind of see how they look, you know, if Teddy Bridgewater is able to come back. If two is able to come back, they might have a shot at going to Buffalo and winning. You know, they played there earlier this year and only lost by three, beat them at home. So this is the grudge match. If Tua plays, you know, could they shock the world? Yes, but if not, they have no chance. If Tua doesn't play, they'll lose by at least two touchdowns. I can tell you that right now. Now, I want to move on to predictions. Like, who do I think is going to win the NFC? Who's going to win the AFC? Let's start in the NFC, okay? Let's be honest. It's a two-horse race. There are only two teams in the NFC that people are taking to win the NFC, and that is either the Eagles or the 49ers, okay? I like the 49ers, I'll be honest with you. Brock Purdy looks good, and they're healthy, unlike the Eagles quarterback, Jalen Hurts, okay? And ultimately, it comes down to this for me. If Hurts isn't healthy, there's no way that they can beat this 49ers team. Okay, the defense for the 49ers is simply too good. The Eagles cannot beat them unless Jalen Hurts is 100% healthy. I don't think he will be. Um, you know, e- Eagles head coach uh, Sirianni came out and said that Jalen Hurts was hurting this week, right? And I know that they've got the bye week to kind of get healthy and everything, but ultimately, like, shoulders are weird. Shoulders are kind of wonky. It just, and like a shoulder sprain, like, that's a tough injury to really kind of come back from quickly, especially when you're playing a sport like football and it's your throwing shoulder. I mean, I just don't see Jalen Hurts being 100% by the time that they get to that game, right? In addition to that, the 49ers are just way more experienced, okay? You got Kyle Shanahan, who's coached in two Super Bowls, once as an offensive coordinator with the Falcons. We know what happened there. And once as the head coach of the 49ers. And all of their impact guys played in one against the Chiefs a few years ago, except for, obviously, Brock Purdy. But look, Kittle's played in a Super Bowl. Um, Fred Warner's played in a Super Bowl. Um, Debo Samuel's played in a Super Bowl, right? So on and so forth. And so, like, they've won playoff games. They know what it's like, right? So they're kind of able to help pull Brock Purdy along through that process. Meanwhile, the Eagles head coach and quarterback have never won a playoff game. They've played one playoff game, and that is it. And they lost horrendously. They got crushed by the Buccaneers last year. And look, until they win a playoff game, that's not going to leave my mind. Okay, so we'll see, you know, what they end up doing. But I would take the 49ers just simply because they're healthier than the Eagles are and because they're more experienced. Simple as that. Moving on to the AFC, where it's way more interesting I think the NFC is going to be pretty chalk. Like, if you just take the higher seed in every game, then, like, you're probably going to be right, more than likely, except for, obviously, the NFC Championship game between the Eagles and the 49ers. Meanwhile, in the AFC, things could get wild, right? Like, there's just so many good quarterbacks that upsets can happen. Like, if Jacksonville beat the Chargers, I wouldn't be surprised. If the Chargers beat the Jags and then beat whoever they play in the second round, like, I wouldn't be surprised by that either. There's just there's so many really good quarterbacks that a lot of different things can happen, right? So, but let's be honest here. There's really three teams that people are interested in and that I think legitimately have a chance at winning the AFC. And that's, you know, the same three teams that it's been all year, the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals. Okay, like right now, I would take the Chiefs, I guess. Um, But I might flip to the Bengals on Friday. I don't really know yet. Um, I don't know if I want to ride with the better quarterback and coach duo, which is Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Or if I just want to ride with the better complete team, which is obviously the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow. That defense has been really good this year, especially in the second half. Um, not as good, you know, the later as the year went on, but still, like that defense is better than Kansas City's. Kansas City's just really young, especially on the back end of their defense, and that makes me nervous when they're going to have to work through an AFC, you know, playoff race 
with a really young secondary against all these really good quarterbacks. So that is concerning. That's kind of my holdup with them. But look, they have Chandler Jones. That's you know one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. You know they've they've played really well this year. Um, so we'll see what ends up happening with them. I'm I'm very intrigued to know kind of what happens with them. Um, but as of right now, like I said, I, I take the Chiefs. But I don't. I, I just the Bengals are really good, and I don't really want to pick. So I'll have you a, a solidified pick on that on Friday. And so I know what you're thinking, Jonathan. What about the Bills? Right, and I'll be honest with you. I don't think the Bills are going to do it this year. Um, simple as that. The Bills just aren't really an option for me, right? I think they're too dependent offensively on Josh Allen. Like, if Josh Allen doesn't play well, they lose. Simple as that. Like, he is both their run game, and obviously he's the, he's the throw of the football for them, right? Like, he does everything for that offense. And so I just think that that's a lot to put on a guy you know, for 21 straight weeks, right, or 20 straight weeks, however many games they play now, right? I think that's just a lot to put on a guy. I think over the course of a season, the wear and tear just kind of gets to him. Um, On top of that, they struggle to run the ball outside of Josh Allen. That's another big issue. And, look, to win games in the NFL, you have to be able to run the ball, okay? Like, it's very much a throw to get ahead and then run the ball to victory type of league. And they just can't run the football consistently enough for me to think they're going to be good enough to close teams out. And they're no, they no longer have Von Miller, right? Like, they no longer have a guy to come off the edge and close out games, right? Like, defensive ends are very much like closers in, in Major League Baseball. Okay, you call on them the last two minutes of the game. You say, look, I need you to dominate these next two minutes. I need you to make that offensive tackle's life hell, okay? And the guys like Von Miller, they do, and they can single-handedly win you games. And they can come in late on third down, and they can shut shut the door to promising drives. And, you know, in the last two minutes of a game, they can shut the door on the game entirely with just three plays, right? So not having him, I think, really hurts their defense. And in addition to that, they're 4-9 and nine in the last two years in games decided by seven points or less, okay? They either blow out teams or they lose. And this is the playoffs. You aren't going to blow out teams in the playoffs, okay? Like, they may blow out Miami, if, you know, Tua doesn't play. Outside of that, they're not going to blow anybody out, right? Because these are the best teams in the NFL. They're not blowing out Kansas City. They're not going to blow out Cincinnati. It's just not going to happen. So it'll be really interesting just to kind of see how the AFC shakes out, where the upset's going to be, because I think there's going to be a couple. We just don't know who it's going to be yet. So that's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I'll be back again on Friday with another episode for y'all. Just got a really busy day tomorrow, so I won't be able to get it out for y'all. So, once again, that'll do it here at Shit the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I'll talk to you again on Friday.